There are a couple of things I want to mention. Um, first of all, good morning. And uh, we've been so impressed with the quality of the container that you've created. Really, the work that you're doing, the earnest, courageous work, and the respect for each other. And the, um, you know, these conditions are not so easy to work in, being crowded into a new place and new beds and many of you moving from bed to bed and room to room. So I just want to honor that and all your efforts. And we can feel it. It's building. The silence and stillness in this room is really um, delectable. So you're learning to be more at ease with your experience. A metaphor that I like is that of listening to an orchestra. You're kind of resting back, you're alert, and first one instrument comes forward, you know, and you're watching that. It could be a body sensation. And it does its natural cycle of events. It comes, it goes. It may get more intense, may get less intense. And you're resting maybe in the breath, or you're with sounds. You know, these different predominant phenomena comes forward and we treat it with the same care, acceptance, interest. Um, so that's the kind of kind of overall accepting attitude that we're developing in, in this practice. And so today um, we introduced Vedana. And in the Buddha's um, sutta, the Satipatthana Sutta, where he basically outlines the mindfulness practice, um, Vedna is one of the four areas that he mentions, along with the body. You know, and then there's Vedna, the feeling tone, and then all the aspects of the mind is the third, which includes emotions and mind states. And then the fourth area is what are called dhammas, and they are kind of uh, kind of grouped configurations like the Four Noble Truths and the hindrances and the factors of awakening, stuff like that. But Vedana is very interesting. Um, uh, and it gives us the opportunity, if we pay some attention with it and play with it, um, it gives us the, oppor- the opportunity, if we're mindful of the particular tone or taste of experience, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, uh, we then have a choice. We really do. It's, and if we're not aware of our the kind of growing pleasantness, which then kind of moves into craving and then solidifies into clinging, then we're suffering. And likewise, head in the other direction. If we're not aware of the aversion that's beginning to build, we can begin by kind of pushing, thrashing. You know, we're kind of lost, we're not aware. And then we're far down the line by the time we wake up. So this gives us a little kind of, it's like a little early warning system, you know, as we go through. And if you want to play with it today, as you go through the day, um, just noticing through all the senses, uh, the tone, the taste, and it's changing all the time. You know, maybe even just touching the doorknob may feel, you know, 
maybe feel pleasant. Or maybe you're thinking, ah, oh, there's germs on the doorknob. You know, and then you, there's, an, uh, there's an aversion. Oh, I should have used my shirt, you know, or something <laughs> like that. You know, just noticing things like that. You're standing in line for food. And for some people, you know, you may be salivating and kind of f- feeling that pleasure. And for other people, it's like, uh, not again, you know. So just, just noticing how it, how it changes. But when we're aware of it, then we have the then we have the opportunity to be awake to what to what's happening. We've changed the relationship to it. We're not lost in it. So it's another little aspect of uh, mindfulness. It's very related to uh, our attitude. You know, attitude and Vedana are very very related. Our attitude at any given time that we might check our attitude. Uh, just checking it out, not checking it somewhere else, but checking it out. Um, are we kind of wanting something? Are we kind of leaning, wanting something? Are we kind of, or are we kind of pushing away? It just gives us information, and it's it's related to this feeling tone, which gives us freedom. You know, if we're aware of it, we have more degrees of freedom in our life. So I'd, I'd, I'd encourage you to take some time today and just explore it. See what it's like for you. It's a very, it's, it, it's a very good practice. And the benefits of these longer retreats, we get to offer things like this. We're in a weekend or a day long. You know, there's so many things to, to work with. So, uh, questions? Anything about practice, Vedana, walking, life? death um, I have a question I um, am interested in, in getting deeper into a Buddhist practice but I find it kind of overwhelming all the different types and lineages and yeah. teachers and I was wondering if you could offer some guidance on that for me <laughs> well there is such an explosion of information a generation ago we were lucky if we got like one little bit of information in one lineage, but Amazon.com and, and you know it's like everything, every every spiritual practice n- known to humankind is available in spades. Um, you know, you might. Um, it's it's more about you know I I want to say this. It's more about practice than a kind of an intellectual overview. For the first couple decades of my practice, I did minimal reading, just a little bit of support, and really worked on, you know, the kind of direct experience of of what's going on. Um, IMCW does have a nice book list on their website you can can check out um, that's been vetted, you know, quality stuff. Um, But we want to always remember this is a kind of, this is a practice, you know. The intellectual framework does support us, and it's very helpful. And I, and I think it's part of developing our perspective and view and our understanding, you know, the Four Noble Truths, how suffering operates, the role of impermanence, the nature of the self or not self. So uh, everybody should be kind of reading a little something, 
but th where the rubber meets the road is the tush on the cush and the, and the, and the cultivation of the daily mindfulness practice. So check out the website and there'll be some, or, or talk with one of us and we'll guide you in. Thank you. Hi. Uh, somehow I missed the significance of the bells in the middle of the meditation. Ah, okay. Um, there's a couple of origins for why we do that. But essentially, uh, in developing concentration and gathering the mind, uh, we want to give you a little bit of time to move the body if so needed, such that in, in a mindful way, as a, a continuation of the practice, um, to offer you the possibility not to have an internal struggle of waiting for the bell to ring at the end and how difficult that can be. Um, it's something that that I picked up from a shamatha teacher which developing concentration and calm is to uh, pay attention, honor and take care of the body. And it's not like we're you know, it's not like break time where the mind bonks out. It's just a continuation. It's a movement practice, if needed. So you see some people get up, some people not. All right? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I first encountered it in the Tibetan tradition, and it actually had a little bit of a different purpose, and they both are important. And that was that meditation, we get attached to a strategy, and we go into a kind of meditative trance, where we think we're meditating, but there's a bit of a veil there. So having periodic some wake-up reminder in the middle is an invitation to sense, am I really here? And it's a refreshing. So you can just clarify, even without moving, just hearing that bell can be uh, dropping more into a very fresh, clear presence. Enjoy your day. Remember the continuity. Blessings. Blessings.